With the addition of Zvonimir Ivasic to the Kentucky Wildcats, I think it's pretty clear. UK has the best front court in the SEC. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be taking a look at the Kentucky Wildcats front court. I think that UK has the best front court in the entire SEC, and I'm going to explain why here in just a second. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, would appreciate it if you sub to the show. If you're listening on podcasts, following along or subscribing wherever you are listening, there would be much appreciated. So let's go ahead and get into it. I think. The Kentucky Wildcats have the best front court in the SEC this season. We'll start by taking a look at these four players here at their respective positions, and I will explain why against some of the other big men in this conference, why UK has the upper hand. So you look at Kentucky's two spots here, power forward and center. That's what makes up the front court in basketball. I think the combination at the power forward spot of Aaron Bradshaw and Trey Mitchell is incredibly deadly. And then you pair that up with Yugen Onyenzo and Zvonimir Ivasic, who was just recently added to the squad. The biggest takeaway for me here, why does Kentucky have the best front court in the SEC? Well, one of the main reasons is depth. And I don't mean depth as there are bodies in the room. You can look across the SEC, as we will in a minute here, and see that, that there are a lot of conferences, or not a lot of conferences, a lot of teams in this conference, rather, that have guys. But I don't think they're going to be as productive as some of Kentucky's players here will be this upcoming season. And on top of that, I just don't think on paper they are as talented. Now, statistically, we may see some different guys rise above these different Kentucky Wildcats here after March, after all is said and done. But as of right now, I think you have to look at guys like, let's start with Trey Mitchell. Trey Mitchell was an addition through the transfer portal, the only addition that Kentucky got through the transfer portal this offseason. West Virginia is where he came from. And I think that with Mitchell, it doesn't necessarily matter if he starts, if he uh, comes off the bench, wherever he is, if it's at power forward, if it's at center, he can play both spots. He proved that during the Global Jam. Um, he also proved during the Global Jam that he can shoot. He's a really good three-point shooter, um, very good in the catch-and-shoot, uh, kind of in the pick-and-pop uh, game, which I think will be incredibly valuable with guys like DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham being such good ball handlers this upcoming season. He can also distribute. He can handle. He can play defense. Uh, I think that he showed a lot of you know veteran leadership when it came to doing the right things on the court during that event in Canada. I was impressed, and I think that because of that experience, he could end up getting the nod here at either power forward or center. But let's just say for a second that he doesn't. Well, who may take the uh, take the power forward spot away from him? I think Aaron Bradshaw is a player that needs to be discussed more despite his injury that he currently has, or at least his recovery from the surgery that he had due to his injury. 
Bradshaw also is a very versatile piece in his own right. I think he's a very good defender. Obviously, at seven feet tall, it's kind of difficult to not be at least somewhat uh, solid on the defensive end. But on top of this, he can, I don't think he can shoot as well as Trey Mitchell can, but he can also handle the ball a little bit. He's really aggressive in the interior on offense as well. I think that you have two very well-rounded uh, prospects here at your power forward spot. And again, I'm slotting Trey Mitchell here just because, but you you kind of follow my logic. Uganda and Yenzo and Zvonimir Ivasic are also two really, really good players in their own right. And I think that Onyenzo is going to show that this upcoming season. Does he start? Does he not? Does Mitchell get the nod here? It doesn't really matter. Point being, Wildcats, the Wildcats have depth here. And I think that's the biggest thing. You, Onyenzo, I think, is going to be a really strong presence defensively. Uh, Ivasic, we've talked about him a lot on the show recently about how he could end up being a, a unicorn type of player for the Wildcats, and if he's able to stick around for next year, I mean, there's going to be a lot of hype. There's going to be a lot of hype around him, and I, I really do hope that he is not what 24-7 sports projects him out to be, which is just another body in practice. I think that Ivasic could be special. I think that he could be very special for UK. So you have depth. You have four bodies that I think that could legitimately start at their respective positions. Aaron Bradshaw could start at center. He could do that if Kentucky really wanted to at seven feet tall. Uh, Ivasic, if you wanted to get really weird with it, could play power forward. I mean, you just have a lot of guys that can handle the ball and that are very talented pieces. I think there's a lot of potential there on paper. And then I think the other thing that Kentucky has on top of all of this is at the end of the day, I think they're going to simply have more production than some of these other teams that have talented front court players in the SEC. Part of it is because I have a lot of faith in what Kentucky's going to do offensively this season. And part of it is because when you look at some of these other players on these on these other teams, these other big men, I should say, they have really good guards and wings on top of that that are going to demand the ball. And so if, if, if this is simply a statistics match here, I think Kentucky's going to win some battles, but at the same time, I also think that, you know, talent, the depth, it kind of overrides anything that you may see in this league with a couple of potential exceptions. And let's go ahead and get to those. So I compiled some different teams here that have solid front courts and some of the individuals that are going to be prominent in those spots. And I'm going to explain why I think Kentucky's better. Starting with Missouri, the only player that they have that I think is truly worthy of note is Connor Vanover. They lost Kobe Brown to the NBA draft. Really, really good player there. If Vanover and Brown were paired up this season, I would say that that's a top five front court in the SEC. Very, very solid pairing that would be, but it's just Vanover. Started his career at Arkansas. I believe he's seven foot two. He can shoot. Um, he's proven that in the past. I think statistically, he's got a little bit of work to do to kind of get those numbers back up, but that's a solid, tall piece that the Tigers have. I wonder how he's going to fit into that style that Dennis Gates wants to, wants to run, that kind of run and gun. Maybe they slow pace down this year a little bit. I'm not sure. Auburn is a team that I think is actually going to speed the pace up this year. Another team that has very solid front court pieces, Jalen Williams and Janai Broom, two very experienced players. Janai Broom coming in out, out of Moorhead State last year was one of the best centers in the league, has shown the ability later on in the year to shoot the three. Jalen Williams, I think, was the best three-point shooter on Auburn's team last season. But the problem with both of these guys is I, I you cannot trust Jalen Williams as a ball handler at all. I would take Trey Mitchell over him in a heartbeat. A heartbeat. And then also, um, I just think that Auburn's, or excuse me, Kentucky is more 
versatile. And I know I continue to use that word and it's kind of kind of cliche when you talk about different prospects, but I, I think that they can do a lot more things than Broom and Williams can. Now, can they, can they do every single one of them better uh, than what Broom and Williams can? I'm not sure, but I, again, depth here I, I think is, is a big note. And then also uh, Auburn has a backup center in Dylan Cardwell who is very poor uh, defensively, I would say, and, and, and really struggles there at times despite his statistics. Mississippi State is the team that I think you could make a case for uh, here with the with them being or having rather the best front court in the SEC. Tolu Smith, I think, may be the best center in this conference. DJ Jeffries, Jimmy Bell from uh, West Virginia transferred in. Uh, DJ, DJ Jeffries, I believe, was initially from Memphis. I mean, that's a really talented trio there. Very talented trio. But again, I go back to, I think Ivicic has a higher upside than maybe a guy like DJ Jeffries or definitely Jimmy Bell. I think that the West Virginia teammate of Jimmy Bell, Trey Mitchell, is simply better. I think that both positions, actually, uh, Mitchell played over him. So I I don't really think that there's a whole lot to argue there. Uh, Tolu Smith is the one guy in this room that I'm really saying, okay, he's so good, it may trump four other guys that Kentucky has. So Mississippi State... Uh, I think is a really good front court. And then also, I think we have to note this. They brought in, I can't remember the play, the name of the player. He's, he's from Marshall, a guard, averaged over 20 a game last season. How much do they rely on him and maybe takes away from some of this front court this year? I think that'll be interesting to note. Um, and how much does Kentucky's guards, how, how much do players like Reed Shepard, um, DJ Wagner, Rob Dilling, how much, uh, Antonio Reeves, how much do they take away from maybe a Trey Mitchell or an Aaron Bradshaw. I think collectively the stats, though, for Kentucky's front court are going to be solid. And I I don't know if I've come out and said this directly. I'm probably going to at some point here in a show soon. I think Kentucky's going to score a lot of points. I think they're going to score a lot of points this year. So statistically, I think Kentucky's going to end up winning some of these battles. Ole Miss has a very interesting pairing of transfer portal additions in the front court. From Oklahoma State, Musa Cisse, I believe is how you pronounce his name. We've talked about him here before on the show. Four-star player, a uh, high-profile high player coming out of high school. Um, wasn't really able to get a whole lot done with the Cowboys. Transferred into Ole Miss. I think Chris Beard is going to utilize him well. And then somebody that we have talked about, I, I think we've dedicated two shows to him. I know we've done a recap talking about him before in a game against the Wildcats. Jamarian Sharp from Western Kentucky 7 foot five the two teams in Mississippi have some really interesting front courts this upcoming season and again I take Kentucky over them because of the depth Kentucky's got a couple of seven three seven footers of their own and then a very versatile West Virginia transfer that can do a lot of things for them I I like Kentucky's depth I really really do they don't just have bodies they have bodies that could start they have bodies that could start at half of these SEC schools maybe even more Georgia, I think, is a team that you have to look at. Jalen Deloach uh, with transferred in. Great defender, shot over 55% from the floor. Russell, I think, uh, Chua, or Tachua, uh, from South Florida, averaged over 11 points per game. We talked about him here on the show when we were talking about transfer portals earlier in the offseason. Could be their starter. Uh, Deloach could end up being the guy there as well. They've got two, I think, decent transfers in there. But I, again, not better than Kentucky's. Florida, Tyree Samuel from Seton Hall, double-digit score there. Micah Hanglotten from Marshall, seven-footer with some serious potential if he's able to pan out for the Gators. I think that next year, you could look at Samuel and, and Hanglotten as two of the best in the conference, but as of right now, 
I, I really like Kentucky and what they've got going there over that. Arkansas is a team that you have to look at up there with Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Makai Mitchell, experienced player in the SEC, not the tallest, also statistically not the most dominant, but he had different players surrounding him in the front court this past season. And a, and a player that did not have an opportunity to play because of injury a lot last year, Javon Brazil, a former five-star for the Razorbacks. He's going to get the nod at center. Those are two good players. Those are two very good players. Once more, I like Kentucky's depth over the couple of players that Arkansas has behind them that are not even averaging five or six points a game. I think Kentucky's going to get there. I think that their guys are going to rotate so much so that you're going to have a lot of solid uh, pieces. Um, and I'm not saying every all four of these guys are going to average like 12 a game. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I think Kentucky is going to be better in a lot of areas. And then Alabama is the final team I want to talk about here. Grant Nelson, we've discussed him quite a bit on the show. We wanted him. That's a good player that the Crimson Tide got. I think it's a player that fits their play style as well with Nate Oates. Alabama's not going to be particularly tall this season, but what they're going to have, I think, is pieces or pieces that can fit Nate Oates' system very well. I think they're they're going to be just fine. I don't think they're going to be nearly as good as they were a season ago, but I think Alabama's going to be a good team, and players like Grant Nelson in their front court are certainly going to aid them. He can handle the ball. He can shoot it. Um, he's a Kevin Durant-ish type of player. If he bulks up a little bit, I think he could be uh, something cool to watch in the NBA. I think he could stick around. But as of right now, with Bama, I think he's going to be a good player. But again, one does not beat four, in my opinion, uh, when it when it comes to just overall talent that the Wildcats have. So that's my thoughts on Kentucky basketball's front court, as opposed to the rest of the players in the SEC. If you want to give your thoughts on some other front court players in this conference. Or if I'm wrong, or if I'm right, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below or hit me on the socials. All right, before we move along here, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Game Time, a new sponsor of the show. Have you ever been stressed out trying to buy tickets? You're trying to go to an event. Uh, maybe it's a concert. Maybe it's a sporting event. Maybe you guys are trying to get some tickets to go to Rupp to see Kentucky uh, play in an SEC game. I know I certainly will be at some point this time Next season, buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful, guys. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. Game time is the place for last-minute tickets deals. You need to forget planning these things months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You can get exclusive flash deals on ticket for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's a pretty sweet deal that Game Time provides you it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason so get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what you expect when you arrive you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and your set the tickets are also sent directly to your phone so you'll never have to dig through your email snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on college for twenty dollars off your first purchase Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I am going to, for what may be one of 
15 times before the season season starts, dive into the non-conference slate for the Kentucky Wildcats. I'm going to read all of this here for you, uh, and then we are going to dive into each individual game to kind of give thoughts on what that is and why they are slated where they are. So to start the season off, November 6th, New Mexico State, Rupp Arena, it's going to be at home, New Mexico State, not a great basketball team. In fact, last year, I believe that they had a sub-500 record at 9-15. and 15. We actually talked about this non-conference slate uh, recently here on the show. It was actually, I believe, like nine days ago. 9-15, and 15, number 187 in Kimpom rankings last year, also pretty low in the net. So, really easy opponent to start off the year. Texas A&M University Commerce is November 10th. Kansas in the Champions Classic is November 14th. Stonehill, November 17th, at home in Rupp. Also in Rupp, November 20th, St. Joseph's. November 24th, an interesting opponent in Marshall at home. And then you also get the the Miami Hurricanes in the ACC-SEC Challenge in Rupp as well. UMC Wilmington on December 2nd. December 9th, one of the new additions to this non-conference slate. Penn in the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. December 16th is North Carolina in the CBS Sports Classic in State Farm Arena. That's in Atlanta, Georgia. I will be going to that game, barring something unforeseen. December 21st at Louisville. And then Illinois State on December 29th. And to round things out, Gonzaga on February 10th. That's when the Wildcats are going to play the Bulldogs. Very interesting that they decided to push that game all the way to the to the early parts of February. So, what does this all mean? What do we think about these individual games? We'll dive into it here pretty quickly. We're going to talk about these individual matchups a lot here over the next coming uh, over the coming months. So, just be tuned for that if you want to talk about these individual games before we actually get to play them. Locked on Kentucky is going to be a great source for you. New Mexico State, like I mentioned, is was not a good team last year. Uh, they went nine and fifteen and and were low lowly ranked in the uh, in the Kimpom rankings. Texas A&M University, uh, University Commerce was also uh, not a good team last year. Let's see. I believe I had them. Yes, I did have them on the list as well. Number 307 in the Kimpom rankings at 13 and 20. Of course, we all know Kansas. Uh, national champions just two seasons ago. 28 and 8 last year. Top 10 Kimpom team. Um, bringing in Hunter Dickinson, bringing back a couple of experienced players, losing a couple different players to the draft as well. Grady Dick, most notably there, I believe. That is a game that I feel much more confident in than I did back in May. If you would ask, if you would ask me back in May, hey, how do you feel about that Kansas game early in the early in the year? I would be like, oh, we're going to get throttled. Kentucky is going to get destroyed. Now I feel like in that game, Kentucky's got a legitimate shot to win it, and that should be a very competitive one in the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. Very nice to have two games before that to kind of shake things out, maybe get some of your players healthy if Aaron Bradshaw and Uganda Onyenso are not fully healthy by the time the season arrives. Get a couple of games in, maybe let them play just a little bit, come off the bench, run the platoon system like I've suggested, and then you go into the Kansas game on November 14th. 17th, November 17th, rather, against Stonehill. I don't really have a whole lot to say about this team other than the fact that they were one of the lowest-ranked teams in Kimpom last year, 14-17, and 17, number 331 in the Kimpom rankings. St. Joe's is also a team I don't have a lot to say about. 
number 191 in the Kim Palm rankings, 16 and 17 last year uh, for, for St. Joe's. Marshall is the team I'm most intrigued with. They lost a really good center to Florida, and Micah, I want to say Hanglotton is, is how you pronounce his last name. But Marshall's a good team. Marshall's a good basketball team. And they lost some pieces, but I think they're going to be able to score still. That's a game you have to watch before you get into the uh, ACC-SEC Challenge against Miami, November 28th. That's a Miami team that's lost a lot of pieces as well. But, man, that's it's a well-coached team. It's, it's, a, it's a power six school. It's going to be tough. Going to be tough for a young team like Kentucky to take that on early in the year, uh, as well as Kansas. UMC, UNC, uh, Wilmington, not a whole lot to say here. 24-10 and 10 last year. We talked about them earlier on, uh, I believe in August, about how that may end up being a competitive basketball game between Miami and North Carolina. And December 16th is your North Carolina game, but we have found out what is sandwiched between that December 2nd second date and that December 16th date. It is Penn on December 9th. That is what Kentucky has added to the slate here. That will be in the Wells Fargo Center at or in Philadelphia. Interesting place to have that. North Carolina, again, at Atlanta, I will be at this game. North Carolina, probably not. They'll be a bubble team, I think, or at least a little bit better than a bubble team. They'll, they'll, they'll improve on what they did last year, and they'll get into the tournament. This is a team that you can't look past because it's UNC. This is in Atlanta. It's a fun spot for both these teams to come play basketball. Competitive. That's what I would label this game as, competitive. A game that may not be as competitive, Louisville. December 21st, on the road in the KFC Yum Center. Disgusting name. That's a game that I think Kentucky can end up winning, and winning pretty handily. December 29th, Illinois State, the Antonio Reeves game. Going to see how Antonio Reeves faces off against his former squad. Uh, Not a whole lot else to hear to to say about that team. And then February 10th, and this is kind of what I wanted to get to here to wrap up the show. February 10th is where the Gonzaga game falls. Isn't that just a weird spot for the schedule makers for Gonzaga and Kentucky to kind of decide where to play this? Why wouldn't it be at the end of the non-con slate or put it somewhere earlier in the, in the schedule? I, I don't know. I don't know. This is, this is really intriguing to me. It'll be in the middle, right smack dab in the middle of this SEC gauntlet that we're going to have to endure this year. I am curious to see what SEC games surround this one because that may be, um, if this is the right word here, indicative of the results uh, in this contest. Gonzaga is a very, very good basketball team. Cannot take them lightly. They're going to score. It's going to be tough and rough, especially on these young kids. Are they going to respond? Are they going to not do what they did in big games last year, which is eventually fold because... They were either too thin or just didn't have the talent. I will be watching this game very intently because it is on February 10th. We'll be a third of the way into February, just about a third of the way into February, and we'll get to start to have a good idea, or at least a decent idea, of what Kentucky basketball is in the 23-24 season. If they truly have the ceiling um, that we all hope they do which is potentially get to the Final Four of the National Championship. We'll have to wait and see. But that Gonzaga game being later in the year, 
gives us a, gives us an opportunity to see a more complete teams, more polished teams, better game planning, I think. But also, it's a in a rough patch for Kentucky. It's in the middle of the SEC slate. So we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, I think it's fun. I like it. It's a fresh idea uh, with a really difficult team, not in the Big 12. So Big 12. So let's give it a go. If you have any thoughts on Kentucky basketball's non-conference slate, or if you have any opinions on what the Wildcats could do this upcoming season, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at LanceDahl underscore, and you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.